Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for your spirit. For we know that your spirit works through the word to to touch our hearts and our lives that we might not only come to faith, but that we might grow in that faith and be empowered to live in that faith. Father, we pray that you would help us to hear you ever more clearly as you call to us through your word and by your spirit. Lord, open our our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a day and an age, some of us remember it, when the telephone would ring and we had no clue who was on the other end. Nobody had ever heard of anything like caller ID or call blocking. We just picked up the phone and we said, now we look at caller ID and we might pick up the phone and if the caller ID says it's Jim Johnson, we go, hi Jim, or hi Jerry, or whoever it might be. And if we look at that phone and it says someone we don't recognize, we often just kind of let it go. Or especially if it comes across telemarketer. What do we do today if the caller ID says, God is calling? Would you answer? The story is told of a woman whose phone rang and she looked at the caller ID and it said, God in heaven. And she hesitated. God is calling me? She was too afraid to answer. A few minutes later, it rang again and said, God in heaven. So she decided to pick it up. And a voice on the other hand said, Hi, this is God in Heaven Christian Church down the street. It didn't all fit on that caller ID. But even if it did, if it said God in Heaven, and then maybe in parentheses, the real God in Heaven, how would you respond? We see in our first reading today the story of Jonah, but we don't get the whole story. 
If we remember the whole story, it's the story of a prophet who's called by God and God says, Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to do this. And Jonah's reluctant. He doesn't want to do what God is calling him to do. Maybe he's afraid of the reception that he might receive. Maybe he's just afraid to step out of his own comfort zone, but, but he doesn't want to go. He's very reluctant. And we know what happens. He runs away, winds up getting swallowed by a, a big fish, being spit up on a beach. And our text tells us today, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, now go do it. Uh, it's a little more formal than that. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And this time, he goes. And Jonah calls the city to repentance. To change from the way that they're living and the way that they're doing things, lest they be overthrown. And he gives them a time frame. You got 40 days. In our gospel lesson today, from the first chapter of the gospel of Mark, we know that that Jesus is beginning his ministry. And he begins his, his ministry with essentially the, the same message that Jonah is taking to Nineveh. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the gospel. Gospel is simply a word that means good news. And he goes... And as he's going, he sees some men fishing and mending nets, and he calls them to be his disciples. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. The amazing thing is that Peter, we don't know him as Peter yet, he's known as Simon, but Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, all begin to follow Jesus. Do they follow out of curiosity? And do they follow because maybe they've heard a little bit about this Jesus and, and his message strikes a chord? Or do they follow? because they're being called by God. To be called by God seems like a special thing. God singles out a prophet, Elijah, Isaiah, Jonah. Or maybe back a little further, Moses, Abraham, special people. 
Jesus begins to teach us by the very individuals that he calls that, that the call of God isn't just for special people. It's for ordinary, everyday people like fishermen and tax collectors and accountants and lawyers. Fishermen. And us. And the call of God, every time, comes in a very specific way. It's first of all a call to repentance to examine our hearts and our lives and to begin to understand the things inside of us that keep us apart from God, that, that separate us from him. The private sins, the public sins, the attitudes of selfishness and self-righteousness, pride and arrogance, Anger and hurt. He calls us to repent. To let go of all of those things and to lay them down. And to turn to God. To repent. And believe. You see, the call that God is giving to us by the power of the Word and the Spirit is a call to repentance. It's a call to, to baptism. To remember that we have a Savior who invites us to be his brother or sister through the waters of baptism, washing away the things that separate us from God and bringing to us new life. We're called to be a people of prayer. To be in that conversation with God. See, I think that's what Jonah was lacking a little bit. In fact, a lot. Can you imagine after he was swallowed by that Big fish, that whale, that sea monster, whatever you want to call it. And in the text in, in Jonah tells us that he spends three days in the belly of that thing. What do you think he's doing? Do you think he's having a pity party for himself? Yeah, well, kind of he is. But what else is he doing? Okay, Lord, get me out of this, and I will go to Nineveh, like you said. It's that old cliche of a prayer in the foxhole kind of thing. Lord, get me out of this situation, and I will go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. But at least he's praying. We are also called by God 
to serve. To worship the Lord your God. In him only shall you serve. You think about that for a moment. You start looking at the way that we live our lives. What percentage of our time do we actually spend serving God? I'm guessing it's pretty small. And we sometimes, I think, make the excuses to say, well, I... I don't have the time or I don't have the, the right skill set or I don't, oh, pastor, let's just, you know, cut to the chase. I'm just not qualified. Maybe Jonah didn't feel qualified to go to Nineveh. We know Moses didn't feel qualified to, to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Saul, who becomes Paul, maybe he had the academic credentials, but was he truly qualified? After all, he wasn't one of those inner circle of Jesus' disciples. You know, the interesting thing about God is God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He gives to us the very skills, the gifts, the talents, the abilities to do the things that he's prepared for us in advance to do. So many times we operate out of fear. We are like Jonah. We want to run away. We don't want to go in the direction that God wants us to go. And we're afraid to step out in faith. We throw in front of ourselves all of the what-ifs or the if-onlys. And we fail to trust in God. You see, the call of God for so many is a hard thing. Because the devil is always there like a prowling lion seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to keep us away from Christ. He wants to drive that wedge between us and God. And he uses us. Our own thinking, our own thoughts, our own doubts. Just like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. Do you think God really wants you to do that? You think God really wants you to go there or to do those things? I remember about a year after I was married, Linda and I, we received a call to a congregation in the Detroit, Michigan area. And I got to admit, Linda said to me, you can go, I'm not going to Detroit. No way, no how. 
And I said, well, let's at least go and check it out before we tell them no. Problem was, we were kind of in the middle of the beginning of the, well, anyway, to make a long story short, we couldn't arrange a trip for several weeks, and, and the timing was wrong. And, and, and so we get to the airport, and it's one of those little airports, and, and we get there, and they check us in, and, and, and they say, well, we have seats for you on this flight from here down to Minneapolis, but we don't have a seat for you, and they pointed at me, from Minneapolis to Detroit. And they looked at Linda, you have a seat, he doesn't. Linda says, I'm not going without him. I said, well, let's at least get down to Minneapolis and see what happens. Well, I wound up getting a seat. We just didn't get to sit next to each other. Then we get to Detroit. The airlines lost our luggage. That was just, you know, a little bit of the first part of that trip where everything, everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. And there was a point in that visit on a Sunday afternoon after having been there, and by the way, the other thing was it was one of those weekends where the time changed, so not only did we get interrupted going from central to eastern, but then the time also in the spring, we lost another hour of sleep. But there was a time we were sitting in the hotel room, and I'm on one bed, and she's on the other. We're facing each other, and neither one of us is looking at each other. And finally, we looked up, and both of us knew at that instant, both of us, that we were supposed to take that call. Listen. God works in our hearts and our lives, and sometimes he sends us to do things that we don't want to do in places where we don't want to be to people we don't want to be with. Because they're the very ones that need the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes he calls us in our places where we work or our places where we live or, or just the places where we frequent to talk to people that we're uncomfortable to talk to, people who might be different from us, because they need to hear the gospel. You see, when he calls us to be believers by the power of the word in the waters of baptism, he calls us not always to live comfortably, but rather to live confidently. To live confidently in the word of God and to live a life of faith so the world sees the hope we have. To live not for the world and Christ on the side, but rather to live for Christ in the midst of this world. He calls us to live a new life in Christ. To put aside the old. To put on that white robe of righteousness that marks us not as someone who's better than everybody else, but someone who is forgiven and empowered to live not just in this world, but for eternity. 
someone who has a new life and, and a life for which to be thankful to a Savior who died on a cross to wash us clean. A new life to live not for ourselves, but for him. The voice of God calls. And sometimes, sometimes what God lays before us isn't easy. But he promises to be with us through it all. To lift us up, to strengthen us, to equip us with everything that we need to accomplish his will. But the first thing we've got to do is not take a cruise, but to drop our nets and to follow him. To heed his call. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, here I am, Lord. Send me. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all of our human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the true faith of God in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.